Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Bridge of Hope Church again. Certainly to all of our Bridge of Hope family and those who are viewing us in the Piedmont Triad and beyond. Uh, we are thankful that you are worshiping the Lord with us. Today, um, I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 12, we'll be reading from verses 1 to 16. Um, this was not the original message that I had intended to preach. Uh, however, I felt in light of things that are going on, I felt a leading of the Lord uh, to this passage. And I believe God has some things to say to us. Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 to 16. And here it's how it reads. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, he said, come out you three to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent called Aaron and, and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned towards Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days. And after that, she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. And only after that, the people set out for Hezroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. May God add the blessing to the reading of his holy word. Today, I'd like to speak to you on the topic, 
the intolerant God. The intolerant God. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for all who are viewing here today. I thank you for this nation. And I pray, Father, that you would cause the gospel of the kingdom to go forth in our hearing and into our hearts, that we might respond, repent, believe your gospel, and follow you. Holy Spirit, we need a cleansing. We need your sanctifying power. We need your spirit to transform us and empower us that we might live as your children, sons and daughters of the King in a crooked and wicked world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The intolerant God, the intolerant God. Our Lord is consistent throughout the scriptures. He never fails to show us both the beauty and the blemishes of humanity. We see Adam the image bearer and Adam the vindictive husband. We see Noah the righteous and Noah the drunkard. We see David the man after God's own heart and David the, man, the murderer, the adulterer, and the irresponsible father. We see Solomon the wise and Solomon the sexually addictive abuser of employees. We see Peter the anointed apostle and we see Peter the denier of the, of the savior. It's all here in the word of God. He does not hide it. Instead, he openly shows every true follower of God must always be on alert against Satan and sin because Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. There is no person, no level of leadership, no position that does not need God's holy and sovereign work of a heart transformation. Do you hear me? There is no person outside the kingdom and inside the kingdom of God that does not need God's heart transformation. In fact, in your comments, I want you to say, Lord, I need your grace. I need your help, Lord. I'm not above it. I'm not beyond it. I've not been along too long to still depend on it. There was an old song they used to sing uh, years ago, and it was said, and it went like this: I can't even walk without you holding my hand. It spoke about our deliverance, our dependence rather upon the Lord, that no matter who we are, we are like children dependent on a God to help us take step after step after step. We need the grace of God. And in our text today, we are introduced to the picture of God that we must accept. As people of Christ who are dependent upon him, we must see the God that we are depending upon. God, and I know this will sound uh, a little off for many, but God can be intolerant, God can be unaccommodating, 
God, in pers from the perspective of this world, can be extremely narrow-minded. Why? Because when it comes to sin, he is intolerable. He cannot tolerate it at all. We see his intolerance first to the sin in our text of ethnic superiority. I want to say today that God is intolerant towards the arrogance of ethnic superiority and privilege. Look in our text today. It mentions some very famous and well-known people, people who are at the top echelon of the nation of Israel. Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. And I want to uh, pay special attention to Miriam and Aaron. See, in our text, uh, Miriam is introduced. She is the sister of Moses, and she is revered throughout the nation. She is According to Exodus chapter 2, she is the one who's responsible for saving the life of Moses, bringing him into a relationship with Pharaoh's daughter. She is also the first prophetess of the Bible, the first female prophet of Scripture in, Ephesians, in Exodus chapter 15 and 20. She leads Israel after the great Exodus. She leads them into celebrating with timbrel in her hand and the women followed her and they danced and she did that because she strategically understood that we are leaving a home that we have only known and God is leading us into a place we have never been and so she takes that opportunity to focus them on the glorious praise of our God. Just think about him opening up the, the, the Red Sea and delivering us from the hand of Pharaoh. So let's praise God with song that's praising with timbrel. She just didn't feel like dancing. She wanted to bring attention to God so as to focus God's people. Let me tell you, Miriam was a significant leader in Israel. And yet, our scripture gives us the sense that no matter how high you are, you are not above sin and particularly prejudice. Let's make it plain. What we see from Miriam is evil, conniving, and a veiled prejudice that is hated by God. In Numbers 12, the Bible says, she and her brother Aaron spoke against Moses because of who he married. He married, the scripture says, depending on which translation used, she married, he married a Cushite woman, or some of your translations will say an Ethiopian woman. And it will say Ethiopian because this, the land of Cush was right below Ethiopia. It was, and, and, um, and some theologians have said that her problem was with the nationality of this woman. But given the context, it probably was not. Her bias was not merely that Moses married just someone from another nation, because we see in the book of Genesis, Joseph married an, 
married an Egyptian woman. We see uh, throughout the Bible, David's great-grandmother was Rahab, who was a Canaanite woman, and his grandmother was Ruth, was a Moabite woman. So uh, it's not merely, uh, you can't say this was based on their nationality because as long as when they came to Israel, they surrendered to Yahweh, to the Lord God, and chose not to follow foreign gods, they were accepted into the kingdom of God, into the reign of God over Israel. And so uh, it seems as if her bias is not merely on just their nationality, but it was, and, and not only that, we see from Moses in Exodus chapter 4 that Zipporah, which was his wife, now we are wrestling, is this Zipporah his first wife or did Zipporah die and he married another wife? It's difficult to see whether the Cushite is Zipporah or not, but we see that when Moses married, he married his wife into covenant. In chapter 4 of Exodus, she is the one who circumcises their son so as to ensure that they are in covenant relationship. So Moses did not do anything wrong. Yet and still, we see the bias of Miriam. When the scripture speaks about the Cushites, it speaks often about their complexion. Look at Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leper his spots? And so when it says the Ethiopian, this is the exact same word that is used for Cushite. And so it is referring to the dark-skinned people. Racism is shown in the scripture to be old. And God has brought it up as a motive behind the coup or the insurrection of Miriam and her brother Aaron. Because God could have just said Miriam wanted to be equal with Moses, but he starts off this passage by first saying Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of his Cushite wife. And so, and, and then in the text, he doesn't mention her again until later on we get a reference back to why, uh, what Miriam's problem was. And so uh, Miriam uh, is, is mentioned by the Lord as being prejudiced. The Lord recorded this to help us see that it is sinful, that's prejudice and racism, it is old and it must be and will be judged. I want to jump ahead and show the ironic discipline of the Lord because Miriam is mad that uh, Moses would marry this Cushite woman. And if you look at verse 10 of chapter 12, we see the discipline of the Lord against Miriam. And the Bible says, when the cloud was removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And the implication is, okay, you don't like her because of her complexion, fine. She's not light enough for you. I'll make you as light as possible. And so he strikes her with a leprous disease that takes away all pigmentation. And so, it's, so the, the, the ironic joke is you want to be white? I'll make you without complete color. And the implication after that, or rather the uh, what has to happen when anyone in Israel is 
is, uh, comes down with leprosy, they've got to be excommunicated because of this sickness, because of the disease. And so we see that God refuses to tolerate this. In our passage, Miriam is hiding her prejudice. And we see that she hides her bias. God is the one who says she was biased in the first verse. But in the second verse, she tells the people, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And so she's not telling the people don't like Moses because of his wife. He, he, she said, well, you know what? Moses is not worthy of this position. There are other people who also hear from God, who should also be a high servant of the Lord. And so this is the nature of sin it all, and prejudice and the sin of prejudice. It, also, it often hides itself and disguises itself as if it is not truly there. The Lord says uh, this is because of prejudice. And so that's why we have to accept it. But Miriam uh, could not dare say that to others because it would seem unfair. So she hides it and comes in other ways to pull him down. I want to say something to you today. God is intolerant of ethnic and racial prejudice. And, and this is an ugly sin. Uh, we can see its aftermath today because our nation is at odds because of what appears to be the egregious death of George Floyd, which reminded the nation of Eric Garner, who also died in a similar way when the officers uh, were on top of his neck and he kept saying, I can't breathe. And so these individuals died. But I want to say I was struck, and although the nation is still fixating on what they are terming as police brutality, and rightfully so, I was struck and I could not move uh, because of what happened before this hit the newsreel. And that was an incident by Amy Cooper. Miss Cooper is a white woman who took her Cocker Spaniel for a walk in the park. And on most days, she probably wouldn't even think about race or anything like that. However, on that day, a black man who was in the park bird watching noticed that her dog was unleashed. And the rule of the park, actually the law of that land, is that all the dogs have to be leashed. And he asked her to leash her dog and she refused to do it and he, she told him to go somewhere and so he taped her and said ma'am all I'm doing is asking you to please leash your dog and the idea that this black man would tell her what to do got her so upset so she goes to her phone while he is taping and she says I'm going to call the police and she does this to intimidate him and he still continues to tape and she picks up the phone, dials 911, and then changes her voice and makes herself seemingly cry. I'm being attacked. I don't know what to do. Please help. Please come. This black man. Now, those who are in the black community understand the, the game of language and gender. If often on historically on the news, if you said a man did this, often that was the cold word for saying a white man. But if you use black man, it was the cold word of saying, this is a black situation. 
And so when she said that to the officers, she understood. You could tell she went into acting and she understood that this was a way to get at him, to not just intimidate him, but to possibly hurt and destroy this man's life. And the fact that she could veil her racism, cloak it in fear, cloak it with fake emotionalism, speaks about the depth of sin in our heart. I want to say something to you today, and I'll, I'll be quite frank. I'm a little bit nervous today because I don't speak as clearly on race, uh, on these issues as probably I need to, but historically we haven't done this. But I want to be very clear. What she did was she tapped into the history of lynching. She knew the, incar the excessive incarceration of black males. She knew the history of police brutality when a, woman, when a white woman would speak of feeling threatened. And she cried and whimpered that a black man is threatening her. What we are seeing here is the face of prejudice, racism, and privilege. And I want to differentiate even racism from prejudice because prejudice is a bias towards someone. And racism is not just a bias towards someone because of their race. It is a bias that one can enforce. Racism demand, racism assumes you have power. And this woman felt like she was in a position where I can manipulate officers to do harm to this man because he dares try to tell me to abide by the same laws of all people. This is in the heart of God to speak out against this kind of sin. And I want us to know that yes, this is on the television and this happens, uh, but I want to speak clearly, church, uh, we see from the world, and I think we need to see from the text, this kind of heart can be in us. This kind of heart can dwell in us. We cannot look at this kind of prejudice and assume it is just out there. This kind of thing can dwell in our heart and this is important that we preach and teach about this because God does not tolerate prejudice. I know many would like us to move on, but because it was not an isolated event, we can't. This kind of bias is historic. And I want to say something, the, the burning that's taking place in America, the, the social upheaval, it is because the sin has continued to repeat itself. This is a nation of former slaves and former slave owners, and we only ended slavery, not because the nation willingly said we don't want it, but it took lives to die. It took force to do it. Same thing with Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow laws didn't end because as a nation we said we don't want it. It took lives, murders, bombings. And so the spirit of this demon is still existing in our nation and it's hovering over us. And merely saying we regret it or we wish it didn't happen does not put it away. It's got to be dealt with in the heart. The Lord wants God's people to know we cannot hide from our hearts just as the world cannot hide from their hearts. We must sanctify ourselves because God looks at this sin 
as intolerable. Listen to Colossians 3, 9 and 11. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is renewed, being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. And then he goes on to say, and so there is no Gentile, no Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but all, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, we've got to take off the sin that, that is associated with our old life. And let me tell you, there's deep sin in all of us and God wants to sanctify us as we surrender to his lordship and he wants to sanctify us from the sin of prejudice and we if we want to deny sin exists in us we want to deny prejudice exists in us then we run the risk of that evil thing hiding behind our heart we see in our text, not only is God intolerant against prejudice he is, and, and racism, he is intolerant of the irreverent. The Lord saw the heart of Miriam and saw her actions of what she was saying about Moses. And so the Lord calls out to Moses, Miriam, Aaron, and says, I want you to come here. And so his spirit hovers over the tent of the meeting. And then he says, now I want Miriam and Aaron to come here. He lets Miriam and Aaron see the unique relationship that God has with Moses. In verses 5 to 7, listen to this. The Lord comes down in the pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance of the tent. He calls out to Aaron and Miriam and they both came forward. And he says, I need to tell you something. If there's a prophet among you, the Lord, I the Lord take myself, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in dreams, but with Moses, my servant, because he is faithful in my house, I speak mouth to mouth and I speak clearly. He said, my relationship with Moses is not like your, my relationship with you. What I, the way I speak to Moses is not like how I speak to you. And so that is God's way of saying, who, you, you don't understand who Moses is before me. And then after he says that, he comes with a bone shaking question. I'm telling you, when I saw this, I trembled in my own heart. In verse 12, in chapter 12, verse 8, he says, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Here he's saying, you are irreverent because you did not even think about how close I walk with Moses. You did not think about my grace, how I saved him, how I changed him, how I raised him up. You did not think about the time that I spoke with him 40 days on the, and 40 nights on the mountain. You did not think about how I walked with him. And here I am living close with him and you dare to malign him to the nation. In other words, God is saying you are irreverent 
reverent because when you dishonored him, you dishonored me. Can I tell you something? People of God, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And when we walk with God and we know God, when God has created us in his image and likeness, who are we to defame other people and belittle other people and assume that we are above other people? God looks at this as irreverent because it's not merely just a sin against them. God takes it as a sin against his own glory, his own holiness. He said, you don't honor me when you dishonor them. Church, we have to see that when we don't fear God, we will treat people any kind of way. And this is interesting. I had not seen this before. When we belittle and attack God's children, God's disciples, God's believers, we are attacking people that God is near. Remember what God says to uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. He says, those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. And I want you to know that God, we often will take these statements as, ah, oh, you know, we understand, you know, God didn't mean it so forcefully. No, God meant it. To dishonor one another is to dishonor God. How much more so when we're dealing with God's children? Are you not afraid that you have dishonored my servant? When our nation is not afraid when they destroy others in the image and likeness of God. Church, we have to pray. I want you to know love is not just the act of affection and endearment or, or responding to endearment. It is the proper response to other people in reverence to God. Because we reverence God, we love people and we don't do what Miriam and Aaron were doing to Moses. God not only is intolerant and is prejudiced and intolerant uh, against irreverence, but he is intolerant of our unrepentant hearts. Look at verses 14 and 15 here. So he comes down and he did and he uh, tells them, who are you to speak like this and to dishonor my servant? And as we said before, he says, fine, you want to dishonor him and you did it, not just because you wanted power, but because you, you wanted to put down this man and woman because of her ethnicity, fine, I'm gonna strike you with leprosy. And then I want you to look at verses 14 and 15. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days. Let her be shut outside the camp seven days. After that, she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp. Notice Miriam is put outside. In the camp is the tabernacle of God and Miriam is put outside the borders of the tabernacle of God's people because outside is where you put those who represent sin. And so it is a place of judgment. So those that the animals that you are going to 
kill. That's where you do it. That's where you judge them. And then I want you to see here that in Hebrews chapter 13, 12 and 13, it alludes to this when, when people of judgment or things that are judged are put outside the camp. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So Jesus was put outside to, as a, to bear the judgment of the world. And so what we are seeing on Jesus is the wrath of God. And what we are seeing when people are unrepentant in their heart, God will bring about a wrath that they cannot imagine. He is intolerant towards the unrepentant heart. Miriam was not repentant. Miriam was proud. Miriam was arrogant. Miriam had a spirit of superiority. Miriam was prejudiced and so God judged her. He is intolerant against this evil sin. And we see this perfectly when we see Jesus being condemned for the sins of the whole world outside the camp. I want to ask a question. How do we deal with people that God has been intolerant towards? How do we deal with people that God... See, we see, let's be very clear. We've got to be clear about this. God's not playing with this sin. God is not playing with America. God is not playing with our judgment. In fact, and I do want to say, because people from all around the world are watching us, just like they're watching our news and they're thinking about America, even as a racist land, and perhaps they've got historical reason to do that. But if you're from the Dominican Republic, uh, you've been racist towards the Haitians. If you're in South America, South Africa, you've been racist uh, between Canners and the Africans. If you're in India, you've been prejudiced against the caste system. If you are in Russia, what have you thought about the Ukraine? If you think, think about the this spirit is around the world and God's people must rise up and call it for what it is outside the church and in the church. I don't take for granted the racism and prejudiced experiences that I've had in the church and for too long we've been quiet about it. Can I tell you it's time for us to cry aloud not to tr raise trouble but to call sin as what it is because righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach on all people and we have to acknowledge this is sin. Why? Because God's Pleasure cannot stay where we hold on to sin. And so, uh, and, 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 and let me tell you, uh, when we are under the judgment of sin, we are studying the book of Jonah and we are seeing God sent a windstorm to Jonah. We have this saying often in the church, God uh, hates the sin and loves the sinner. Can I tell you something? I don't really say that because when God is coming after the sinner, the sinner can't see the love of God because he's coming with judgment against the sin. But on that moment, the sin and that sinner is inseparable. God is coming to judge sin. But when God does it, 
when God judges the police officer, when God judges Miss Cooper, when God judges the church, when God judges us, what then do we do or how do we deal with them? Our text ends where the gospel ends. The Bible speaks about Moses as being the meekest man alive. And when God had judged Miriam, the Bible says that Moses prayed for her. Now I want to say this, there is no reconciliation, there is no restoration until there is first judgment. We, we cannot reconcile those who have not been judged. It just doesn't exist in that. The gospel, Christ has received the judgment of sin. And so that is a principle for us that all sin has to be dealt with. And so we, we cannot, uh, we cannot uh, give the officer a second chance because you can't restore him until first he has been judged. But when they have been judged, Moses lays out for us a principle in the, in the gospel. And that principle is this. We have got to seek to restore those who have been judged. America has the unenviable history of slavery. And the spirit of it has crept. And, if, and I know we're living in a world where many people still want to deny the racism and the prejudice. And these things are shocking. And we'll say, well, this is isolated. And that's why, uh, you know, you have some who will say black lives matter. Others say all lives matter. But in the history of America, let's be clear, black lives have not mattered as much. It is the spirit of this age, the spirit that has continued in this country. So let's deal with the officers. Let's deal with the women. Let's deal with the neighbor. Let's deal with ourselves, recognizing sin has to be judged. But when we deal with them, what do we do? Do we cast them off and say they got what they deserved? That may be the judgment, the vengeance of the world, but that's not the judge. That's not the grace of our God. Moses, the meek man, prayed for his persecutor. And I am reminded of Habakkuk, chapter three, verse two, where he says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. Listen to this. In the midst of the years, make it known. And in wrath, this is the powerful point, in wrath, remember mercy. When you come to deal with our sin, which is exposed, will you now also come with mercy? We are, in this history, the church must rise up, not as the voice of, of, of condemnation, but we must rise up as the voice of reconciliation. Now, there is no gospel without justice, and there is no gospel preaching without preaching on justice. 
And so I'm preaching the officers must be prosecuted. I'm preaching Amy Cooper must be held accountable because there is no restoration without first justice. We can't cry for mercy when you first haven't been dealt with. However, when they stand, we must rise as a people of God and bring restoration. No matter what the sin is, whether it's adultery or prejudice, whether it's stealing or hatred, the intolerant God turns to us and calls us to reconciliation because he is intolerable towards the desire to hate. God's judgment is not about hate. His judgment is about righteousness. And so in his desire for righteousness, he moves upon us to pray for mercy, for grace, for reconciliation. Today, church, it's time we speak out against the evil. It's time we stop. We are a multi-ethnic church. We can't uh, tiptoe around uh, the discomfort of race. We must acknowledge it. We're probably going to have some even classes where we deal with how do we live with people who don't look like us or don't think like us and, and stop thinking about this is just black or white. This is nation against nation. You've got parts of Latin America, parts of Africa, parts of Europe, parts of Asia, nation against nation. They can't stand with each other. This is the gospel of peace. But we have to face the ugliness of our hearts in order to bring the peace that restores us. Will you pray with me about us accepting our call to be ministers of reconciliation? To accept this call in this time and culture, we first must search our hearts and not just stop there. We must also turn to our neighbor who sees our blind sides and ask our neighbor, neighbor, will you help me pray? Neighbor, will you hold me accountable? Neighbor, will you listen to my language and will you listen to my jokes and will you see my actions? Will you see my life and will you please hold me accountable because I want to call people to restoration and we can't call others to restoration when we first have not been surrendered to Christ. Remember, Miriam was at the higher echelon of the nation of Israel. So we can never think, oh, I've been saved 50 years. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. That stuff doesn't happen to me. No, I must go to the cross. You must go to the cross and surrender daily. Take up our cross daily and follow Christ. Will you join with me today? Praying that God restore my heart that I might bring reconciliation in this world. And some of us must start that ministry by being agents of justice. So you may have to call out evil. You may have to prosecute. You may have to be a police officer. You, whatever you do, you do it as a servant of God in righteousness with equity, but we must do it. But with that, we must also be agents of peace and mercy. Oh God.
anoint us that we might be your church in this hour. This is why we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Join with me in prayer.